right. Well, we are on a road trip right now that's coming to an end. You guys are sad. I know. I know. Me too. Hey, uh, I just want to review a little bit. On week one, we are in San Francisco, California, where I talked about getting out of your comfort zone and stepping out in faith. Week two, we were in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and uh, I talked about how God will never desert you in the desert. God will never desert you in the desert. Week three, we're in Dallas, Texas. We talked about committed to Jesus means being committed to his church and uh, had an opportunity to defend God's church and the bridge uh, 30 minutes after service on Facebook. So I I took that opportunity to defend my church and the way that we do church around here because life's uh, lives are being changed and families are being changed. And uh, we talked about standing up for his bride uh, because um, Christ loves the bride. Final stop, Cleveland, Ohio. Do we have any Ohioans in here tonight? Yes. I want to let you know that every week I've done that and no one has said anything. But this week, we'll represent. Represent. At least Miss Sue is. I know it. We are uh, talking about family matters. Uh, family matters to God, and family should matter to us. Now, when I talk about families, I'm not talking about the Winslow, Winslow family and their pesky next-door neighbor, Steve Urkel. Uh, you guys remember some of the family shows in the 80s and 90s? We had uh, The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Growing Pains. A lot of people say I look like Kirk Cameron. No, no one's ever, ever, ever said that, but that's right. We had uh, Seventh Heaven. That was a good one. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was a family show. Now, this is a story. I know you want to sing the whole song right now. I love my people. I love my people. But Cleveland, Ohio, God's country. God's country. That's what we're talking about tonight. Maybe some of you have never been to Cleveland. Um, I, I, I hope that you get to go someday. Wanted to show you some pictures of Cleveland, if you haven't been there. We've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, the birthplace of rock and roll. We love some rock and roll up in here. Next one is the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, which is not too far away from Cleveland, Ohio. Listen, man. Without Cleveland, you would have no rock and roll and no football. How bad would life stink? Seriously. Next one, we have um, Cleveland Sports. Ah, Cleveland Sports. We have not won a major championship in 50 years. But you know what? He's come home, baby. He's come home. LeBron James. Now, many people, when he left, burnt their jerseys. I put mine in the attic and left it there for a while. And then when I hung it up, I just had the Cleveland Park showing, not the, not the LeBron James. But he's home. The king is home. And we're going to win. We're going to win. Uh, it's a new year. Uh, we say that every year, but I believe that. Next one, we have a Christmas story. 
Get, is that one of your favorite Christmas mo- uh, movies? I actually took that picture. That is uh, that's in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, most of that movie was filmed in, uh, in, I believe, in Toronto, Canada. But uh, the outside and some parts on the inside were, were filmed there. And um, so that's in Cleveland, Ohio. See, your favorite movie would have never been, been made without Cleveland, Ohio. Next one we have is the Cleveland Clinic. Those that you are in the medical field definitely know about the Cleveland Clinic. World-renowned, uh, one of the best hospitals in the world. And I'm not just saying that. That's, that's a fact. And, um, you know, but Clevelanders persevere. We persevere. We're fighters. And uh, there is revitalization happening in the city. And uh, I'm just excited uh, what this uh, next decade uh, holds for Cleveland. Next one we have is uh, my father's grocery store, White Brothers. And um, he owned that, um, not because we're white, but because <laughs> we're last names, white, and he had a bunch of brothers. <laughs> we're also white. <laughs> but uh, my grandfather, Graydon, uh, started that store uh, many, many years ago, and when he passed away, my, my dad became the president of that store. And it was actually one of the biggest uh, grocery stores um, around the Northeast Ohio area before the big chains came in. And so many wonderful memories uh, at that grocery store. Um, and I remember uh, going to work, and I would put on a smock, and I would pack a few groceries, and then I'd call it a day, and I'd just, uh, just take candy off the shelf and eat it. My dad owned a store, and no one was going to say anything, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was awesome, uh, having a grocery store. But I had a great upbringing. My family was very supportive. Uh, my parents, George and Esther, have been married for 42 years. Um, they've lived in the same house for nearly 40 years. And I've, uh, I have an older brother, George, and he has a, a wife named Kristen. They have three kids, uh, my sister Chrissy and her, her husband, John, live in uh, Minnesota. They just moved there this last year, and he is a senior pastor of a church there. I uh, just love my family. They, have, they also have three kids, and we have three kids, so... Uh, we're all about threes. And I have lifelong friends uh, from, from Cleveland, Ohio, and in my hometown, friends that I've been friends with for over 30 years, and whenever we go home, we always see them, and it's just so special seeing my kids play with their kids. Uh, friends for life, man. We've, we've been there for each other. Uh, we've all been in each other's weddings as well. Uh, now, I'm actually from Burton, Ohio, um, even, even closer, Troy, Ohio. Um, and no one have, has ever really heard of that before, but it's about 40 miles southeast of, of Cleveland, Ohio. And the area that I'm from is the fourth largest Amish population in the world. There is um, Amish buggies all over the place, and there's also stuff on the road all over the place as well. So you learn how to dodge when you when you're live around there. Uh, I am 50% Hungarian. And uh, my mother is 100%. Uh, both her parents were from Hungary. If you know anything about Hungarians, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. And um, if I'm upset at you, I'm going to let you know. Uh, but if I love you, I'm also going to let you know that as well. And we're very passionate. Uh, we're very passionate people as well. My grandparents live next door and uh, was, was, was privileged to have them uh, next door to us. And um, they, uh, they were, my grandfather was a hard worker. He worked in a factory. 
and he worked, he, he worked 33 years in a rubber factory and never missed one day of work in 33 years. And he worked overtime whenever he had to as well. And, um, and just because he, he grew up in a, poor, in a poor village, never had anything, uh, but God gave him an opportunity uh, here in America. Our family endured a lot, uh, just like all of your families as, as well. Uh, we've been through many trials. Uh, we've been through car accidents and car accidents and car accidents. Um, God has spared, spared us. Um, many, many health issues. Uh, and my mom, when she was six months pregnant with me, uh, we already had, my, mom, my parents already had my brother and sister. She was six months pregnant with me. And in 1978, my dad had major brain surgery in 78. And I had a softball-sized tumor in his brain. And um, <laughs> that's why I cry. Because my mom said she cried more in that time of her life than any other time. And um, she just says um, how, how much it helped to have me inside of her. Uh, to get through those difficult times. So I'm um, just, uh, just so grateful uh, for, for God's faithfulness in our lives. They instilled a lot of values in our family. My dad was a giver. He gave and gave to the community. And uh, my parents were loyal. They would, um, you know, I remember, that, I remember being a teenager and them taking me to funerals and sh- just sharing the importance of always paying your respect to people. Um, my mom still goes to funerals. Uh, she sends me obituaries all the time and funerals that she goes to. And I'm just so thankful that, that they uh, shared that with me, what was valuable. Uh, I went to church every Sunday, whether I wanted to or not. Um, if I didn't go, I could not leave the house and I could not play with my friends, so I went to church. Um, by the way, just a little side note. If your kids live in your house... You make them go to church. Make them to go. You make them clean in their room. You uh, make them do their, do their homework. You make them go to church. If they are going to stay up all night long the night before and play video games so they can't get up for church, um, that, that sh- you shouldn't let that fly. Um, it's real quiet in right here. Listen. We spend over $100,000 at this church just on our bridge kids and our youth ministry for pastors to provide the atmosphere, the curriculum. We don't provide a boring environment, all right? We invest in your kids. They need to be in church. You as a parent need to let them know they need to be in church. It's not an option because you're instilling values into them now right now. That's a little side sermon right there. Uh, I remember uh, growing up, our family did Bible studies at night on a regular basis. I remember at night, my dad would, um, would be in his office every night before he would go to bed. He would close the door in his office, he would get on his knees, and he would pray. And you, you want to know what an impact that had on me. I mean, I remember him doing that every single night, hitting his knees. Um, and um, by the way, my dad is still alive. He just turned 70 and um, just a, a hero in my life. Um, they taught me how to treat people how you want to be treated. 
that you always find time to do the things you really want to do. You know what? And you guys find time to do the things you really want to do as well. I love family. I, uh, I really enjoy getting to know your families and hearing about your stories. Uh, there is no perfect family. And if you think that your family is perfect, your family's probably more jacked up than you realize. I'm going to get real tonight, okay? Uh, Sabrina and I learn from families. We learn from your families. Uh, there's a lot of things that we love seeing in your families that we want to incorporate in our family, and there's also things in your family that we don't want to incorporate in our family. Uh, which family are you? I'll leave that guessing. <laughs> the Bible stresses the importance of family and God established the family before the church, even. God established the family before the church. And the family is not an institution designed by man. It was created by God, and man has been given the responsibility of stewardship over it. God's plan for creation was for a man to marry a woman and become one flesh emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and physically. Hallelujah. The church does not talk about enough about sex. It doesn't. I just posted a Facebook post. Check it out. It was a good one. You know, listen, we got three kids, man. That didn't happen by osmosis. <laughs> My wife is really red right now. Family was created to become the essential building block of human society. The bridge believes that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's it. We believe in the biblical values. And now I want to say, if anyone here tonight is living a homosexual lifestyle, we are glad that you are here. And the bridge is a place where you can belong before you believe. We're so glad you're here. If you are struggling with drugs, alcohol, gluttony, jealousy, anger, we're glad you're here. Because God wants to change all of our hearts and draw us closer to him no matter where we are at in life. The Apostle Paul talks about what Christian homes should look like when he gives the commands of children obey your parents and parents don't provoke your children into anger. Parents, you can be tender and firm. You can be... Guys, um, just want to pause here. There's a lot of babies in here tonight. So listen, we, we love you. Um, we want you. We're glad that you're here. But I just this is such an important message that if your baby becomes a distraction, I just ask that you step into the lobby. So I just want to say that. I just don't want people missing what God has for them tonight. But we are glad you're here. We love your kids. Um, parents, you can be tender and firm at the same time. You can be tender and firm. If you struggle with anger, parents you're going to pass that down. Listen, I know your parents, your dad, 
probably was an angry person if you struggle with anger, but you can stop that. You can stop that right now. Um, I know that's another sermon as well, but I just feel that's really important. Um, someone said that if you, how much uh, you raise your voice to your kids as kids is how much they're going to raise their voice to you as teenagers. Two of the Ten Commandments deal with maintaining the cohesiveness of the family. Honoring parents is meant to preserve the authority of parents in family matters. And the, com- the commandment uh, prohibiting adultery protects the sanctity of marriage. The husband is required to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and the wife should respect and willingly submit to his leadership in the family. Now, we, I know a lot of people don't like that, word to, like that word submit, but I tell you what, husbands, if you're living for Jesus Christ and you're loving your bride like Christ loved the church, and what did Christ do for the church? He gave his life for the church, the most unselfish act ever known to man. And when the husband does that, I've never seen a wife unwilling to submit to her husband. She gladly does that. In Scripture, we see entire households become saved and baptized. God doesn't just want to save individuals, but entire households. Husbands and dads, man, I got so much to say right now about, about this whole message. And you know when I'm wearing the hat, I'm, I'm ready to throw down, all right? Because last time I wore the hat was when we had porn week several years ago, okay? So I'm not messing around tonight. This, this, is, this, is, this is, man, I've, I've fought through this message, a uh, lot of early mornings and late nights, and uh, so, so just buckle up. Husbands and dads, if you would surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and quit being so prideful. God could change your family. You are the leader of your home. You are the spiritual leader of your home. Step up to the plate. Step up to the plate. It's no one's responsibility except yours. So step up. So much is on the line. So much is on the line. And, 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 if, and if you have not Surrender your heart tonight. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. Family matters to God, and it should matter to us. Family matters to God, and it should matter to us. Maybe you didn't have the typical family. Maybe, uh, maybe you said, you know, my family, it didn't, ma- they didn't matter to God. They didn't matter to God. Uh, maybe you were raised by your grandparents. Um, shows, uh, show, even shows have changed. You know, I think of shows like uh, Two and a Half Men. It's all about, you know, where's the, where's the mom? Uh, I think even think about Toy Story. Where's the dad in Toy Story? I love Toy Story. But you have all these shows and, and, and cartoons and everything 
that, that are just single family homes. Maybe you had a rough childhood. Maybe you went through a lot of abuse in life. And, and, I'm, and I'm sorry for, for maybe what you went through. Maybe you never could have children. Uh, maybe maybe you're, you're single right now. Listen, Romans says that you can be adopted into God's family. And that is the best family to be a part of. That's, that's the best family to be a part of, God's family. That's a family that, um, that will always be there. That's the family you will spend eternity with. And so no matter what you went through. So what does a family committed to Christ look like? Well, let's finally dig into Scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 12. I think we have the first portion up on screen. And uh, we have verses 1 through 3. Uh, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. And be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now, Moses had led Israel Israel faithfully from Egypt through the desert for 40 years. And is giving a farewell address before transferring leadership to Joshua, who's going to be Israel's next leader, as they are about to enter into the promised land of Canaan. And the Israelites had forgotten all that God has done. And every time God provided, and even after they went into the promised land, they still forgot what God had, had done. So Israel hadn't entered the promised land yet, and maybe you're in a season of your life right now that is changing. And God has something big for you that's right on the horizon. Don't forget about God's commands. Don't forget about God's commands. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Point one. Now I've been changing my points up until like service the last couple weeks, so that's why you just have a blank spot right there. So I have the freedom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says that you, your children, and their children must fear the Lord. Now, fear of God is not being scared of God. A lot of people misunderstand that. It's it's reverence. It's respecting, submitting to discipline, and worshiping in awe. That's what what the fear of God is. Um, How many of you have been to the beach this year so far? All right, quite a bit of you. Uh, we just went to the beach for the first time last week because when you have three kids, you pack half the house, and the beach is not very relaxing. But we went to the beach, and actually, we actually did have a good time, probably because, like, the whole family was there. <laughs> the grandparents and, and, and aunt and cousins, so there's more hands uh, on deck there. But one of the things that I like to do 
is I like to get uh, the, the boogie board, and I like to go way out there in the ocean where no one's around and where it's calm, and I just sit on that thing. And it's so peaceful, man, and just kind of float with the water. Um, you know, something about when you look at the ocean and how vast it is and how big it is, doesn't it make you feel a little small? Um, I know whenever I go out there, uh, my wife gets nervous because there's sharks. I think someone got bit last week. Don't let that scare you, though. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the beach this weekend. It's a good time. Um, what are ways, what are, what are some ways that we don't fear God? Well, one of the ways that we don't fear God is we think that we're in control. And listen, that thing that's beating inside of you, you have no control over that. God says that when that stops. If that isn't healthy fear, I'm not sure what is. Um, a lot of times we make major decisions without consulting God first. We, we make a decision and then we ask God to bless it. Another thing that I think that we don't fear God with is, is we're, we're flippant with our sin. We don't, a lot, a lot of times we don't feel remorse when we sin, which is a dangerous place to be. When's the last time you sinned and you felt remorse? You felt sorrow for that? God hates sin. That's what scripture says. And it cost Jesus his life cost Jesus his life. Another way that I don't think we, we, we fear God is, is, is when we live a selfish and ungrateful life. We're going to have to answer to God how we lived. We're going to have to answer to God how we treated others. We're going to have to answer to God how we treated our family. Listen, if you go around telling people how good Jesus is and you treat your family like crap, God is not going to honor and bless that. That's your first ministry. You treat your spouse with love and respect. You are, you guys are one now. And when you talk bad to them, gossip about them, yell at them, you are doing it to yourself. You are one. You are one. And you can try to talk to many people about Jesus and lead people to Jesus, but if your spouse and your kids hate you, something's messed up. If you want peace and harmony in your family, you need to obey and fear God. Your family needs to obey and fear God. That home will be filled with peace and harmony. And you, and you wanna know why there's so much stuff going on in your family right now? 
And, and, and bad things happen to good people, I understand that, but a lot of it is, is disobedience. It's disobedience. I told you this was going to be a, a feel-good message. Fearing God is a good thing because it saves us from, from caving into our sinful nature. As children and teenagers, the fear of discipline from our parents prevented us from doing certain things, didn't it? Because mom and dad were most likely going to find out, especially lived in a small town. And that prevented us from doing, now it didn't prevent us from doing all the things, just some of the things. Um, but but there, there, there should be a healthy fear. Man, I love my kids. I kiss them. I hug them. I spend time with them. But there should be a healthy fear because when, when, when they are disobedient, there's discipline. There's discipline. Your kids need to see you answer to a higher authority. They need to hear you ask for forgiveness. When is the last time you, you asked your child for forgiveness for something you did? I tell you what, man, being a parent has been very humbling. And I asked Graydon, because he's, he's six and a half, he knows a little bit more what's going on than Cash and Noel. But I asked Graydon for forgiveness. I say, you know what, Daddy messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have, you know, yelled at you for that, whatever it is. They need to see that in you as parents. And there comes a transfer point when your kids need to learn to answer to their heavenly father for their sins and not their earthly parents. And, and so what you need to do as parents is you need to guide them along and you continue to lead them to Christ. And I don't know, you know, what that cutoff point is. I don't know, you know, 18 or when they're, you know, when they leave your roof. But, but there comes to a point where, where they have to realize that, um, that they no longer just sinned against their, their parent. They sinned against God. And they need to get that. They need to get that, especially when they leave the house. They need, they need to know that. It says that if you will obey, you will enjoy a long life and be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean a pain and trial-free life. That may not even necessarily mean that you're going to live to your 90. I mean, there's some godly people that have left this earth as teenagers, as 20-year-olds, as 30-year-olds. Listen, guys, tomorrow is never promised. It's not. But I think a long and blessed life means a fruitful life. You can have a fruitful life no matter what you go through. And in a life that impacts other people, that's the kind of life I want. If this is all, man, if, 30, if 36 is all I got, then praise God, man, because I'm going to make it count. I'm going to make it count. Verses 4 through 9. It says, Listen, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're on the road trip. When you're going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them to your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, many Jews take this passage literally. And, um, and there's, there's a thing called a tefillin, and we actually have a picture of that. And it's, uh, there are two small leather boxes that contain verses from the Torah, which is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And they are worn on the head and one on the arm and are held in place by leather straps. So you can't see he's got another one on his arm and there's leather straps there. So Jews still practice this today. There's a thing called uh, a mezuzah. We have a picture of that as well. It is a sacred parchment inscribed by hand with two portions of Torah. It is stored in a protective case and hung on the doorpost of Jewish homes in all their rooms. Not the bathrooms, but in all the rooms. And I actually had one of those. I'm not sure what I did with it, but I had a friend give it, give it to me. But they literally do that. And I, and I, think, I think that's pretty awesome. I think it's pretty cool. Just another, another, another reminder. Um, there are some houses that I've been to that have been just filled with Scripture. Scripture verses all over the place. And... Um, most of those people that I've seen, it's not just decorations. It's a lifestyle. And their kids have seen that growing up. They've seen the scriptures all over the walls. It says, love God with everything you have. It's a heartfelt love, a loyalty, a commitment, and obedience. And God wants you to put him first in everything in your life. First. Next point. Actually, this is what I've been talking about here, but teachable moments can happen every day. Teachable moments can happen every day. Repeat them again and again. Teach them diligently, consistently, persistently, earnestly, again and again. Sharpen them so as they may pierce deep into their hearts. Read the Bible together as a family. Pray together. Share what God is teaching you to your spouse and to your kids. If you say God's not teaching anything, then you're not spending time with him. If you don't have anything to share to your spouse and to your kids what God is teaching you, What's going on? Is God really first in your life? Is, is he everything to you? Is he a priority to you? I love uh, my kids and I and, and my wife, we, we read the Bible on a regular basis. This is about ready to fall again, isn't it? We learned that from week, week two. Yeah. Um, we read the Bible to our kids on a regular basis. Uh, the other night I was reading uh, some regular books to to uh, Graydon and Cash, and, and then um, uh, I'm like, all right, time to read the Bible now, and it was so cute, man. Graydon's like, he goes to Cash, he says, oh, I love the Bible, and man, that just, I just, uh, just melted my heart, man, because you know, as parents, sometimes you think, man, it's, am I doing anything right, you know, and we've, we've all been there, but you get those moments where you're like, all right, God gives you a little encouragement along the way. 
but you teach by your example as well. Um, I have devos in the morning on a regular basis. Uh, my kids watch Transformers and everything else and eating cereal and graham crackers um, from Trader Joe's because those are just healthier, don't you? Um, and, but they see me sitting on my recliner with God on a regular basis. And I always want them to, to see that because I will never forget my dad going to his office every night, every night. I want my kids to see that on a regular basis, that God is the most important thing in my life. And if he's leading my life, then I can lead my family that God's blessed me with. What do you, what do you worship? What does your family worship? Your family worships something. Either it's sports, either it's entertainment. Hopefully it's God. Your kids already know at a young age what's important to the family. Your kids at a young age already know what's important to you. They are sponges, man. They are concrete, wet concrete. And, and, and how you lead and how you live will have a permanent effect on them. In the White House, God rules. I'm not talking about Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm talking about Pinewood. In my house, God rules. He's the final say. In my house, we are committed to Christ. In my house, we are committed to each other. We are committed to the bridge, and we are committed to Goldsboro. That's what we're committed to. I'm committed to you guys. I'm committed to your families. There's a story about four preachers discussing the merits of the various translations of the Bible. One liked King James Version best because of its simple, beautiful English. Another liked the American Revised Version best because it was closer to the original Hebrew and Greek. Still another liked the Contemporary Version because of its up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth minister was silent for a moment, then said, I like my mother's translation best. Surprised, the other three men said they didn't know his mother had translated the Bible. Yes, he replied. She translated it into life, and it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. Isn't that awesome? Your greatest contribution may not be what you do, but who you raise. That's Annie Stanley. And I also want to add on to his quote. I'm not sure if you can do that, but I'm doing it right now. He can call me if he doesn't like it. Your greatest contribution may not be what you do, but who you raise and how you raise them. Your greatest contribution being a loving, godly spouse, a loving, godly parent. That's the greatest con contribution you can do in this life if you get the opportunity to have both of those. And if you don't get that opportunity, the greatest thing you can contribute is to be a godly and loving child of God.
most important. Now, my age is 15 to 22. For me, were some difficult years. I won't share all that I did in those seven years because we'd be here a while and um, I probably would embarrass my family as well. But this is how I rolled. I cussed on them Mondays and I prayed on them Sundays. And I know several of you want to break out in song right now. I can't believe some of you guys know that song. I can't believe that. Some of you probably listened to that song when you came to church tonight. It's pretty addictive. It's, it's, it's a creative song, isn't it? But that's, that's, that's my life, man. 15 to 22. Party. Party like a rock star. Go to church on Sunday. And I didn't think anything was wrong with that, man. And God pierced my heart. And he broke me. And at 23, I committed my life wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, and I've never looked back. I was baptized on the day I graduated college, and man, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to that, to that lifestyle. And I remembered the values that were instilled in me as a kid. And I want to say right now, if you have a prodigal son, prodigal daughter don't give up don't give up and if you instilled values in them God's working behind the scenes he is he's working behind the scenes alright last section of this verse the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors Abraham Isaac and Jacob it is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from the cisterns you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Next point and final one, give praise to the provider. Give praise to the provider. Listen, we take credit for what we have. We say, oh, look, look, look what I did. Look what I earned. God gives you everything. He gives you blessings you don't even deserve. But he is so good that he continues to provide. Life itself is a gift. Your life is a gift. And you are to steward. You are to be a steward of your life and all that God has given you. A grateful heart doesn't complain. A grateful heart doesn't complain. Uh, man, I've been, you know, I've been a, uh, an Eeyore throughout my life. And, and I, a lot of times I would just say, man, that's just who I am. I'm, you know, I'm pessimistic. No, man. I'm a child of God. I don't have to be that way anymore. And, and, I, and just, uh, I was looking at all, all the prayer requests this morning. I was praying through all those prayer requests from, from you guys. 
And one of the prayer requests, I don't think the, the, the child doesn't go to our, our, our church, but it was, I think it was someone, that, someone, our, someone our church knows. But they, one of the prayer requests was for a nine-year-old boy that is going, can, going through cancer for the third time. Nine-year-old boy going cancer through the third time. Listen, man, we need perspective sometimes. We complain about things that are frivolous. And we need those stories every once in a while to give us a little bit of perspective, don't we? I know I do, man. Be cautious with an entitlement mentality. We think, I deserve this. I deserve that. That's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. I'm getting a little fire and brimstone right here. Listen, you know what we deserve? We deserve hell. That's what we deserve. But God, out of his love and goodness and mercy, died for our sins and promised us heaven. That's God right there. He's letting us know. He's here. Um, you know, parents a lot of times get frustrated at their kids for being ungrateful. But a lot of times they're seeing that modeled from their parents. If your kids are ungrateful, you have to take a look at in the mirror as a parent and say, all right, am I grateful in my life? Am I grateful for all that God has done in my life? Because how can I expect my kids to be grateful for all that I've done when I'm not grateful my, myself? As a parent, here's how we can show our kids God's goodness. We talk about God's goodness and provision. We literally say it out loud how good God is. Um, I was talking to my wife last night. I think... I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for Jared Grantham. Both of them have spent many, many hours on my messages this month. Uh, late nights, just, um, just walking through my sermon and helping me just polish it off. And so I'm so grateful for them. And I was talking to my wife last night, and she was saying, you know, a lot of times I see beautiful sunsets, and... And I, and I say to myself, God, you know, thank you for a beautiful sunset. But she was saying, you know what, I need to tell the kids, God, guys, look at, look at that sunset. Look, look, what, look what God did for us. Look at that painting that he pictured. And so, so a lot of times we, we thank God internally for his goodness and his gifts, but we need to share that verbally to your kids and, and to people around you. And, and that is a way that we, that we show gratefulness. And so, so when, I, when our kids see sunsets, I want them to remember what mommy said and daddy said and be, and I want them to be reminded of God's goodness. And, and when they see your rainbow, we, you know, talk about Noah's Ark. And it was God's promise that he would never flood the earth again. And, and those are teachable moments that we can have with our kids. Pray before your meals. Read a passage of scripture before your meals. Just, just one verse. Say, hey, let's, let's just read one passage before, before we eat. It's just a way that we show God uh, that, 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 he, that we're grateful. Be a giver, not a taker. You know, I want to be, be known as a giver, not a taker. And, and Pastor Pharaoh says that if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If God can get through you, he will give it to you. 
Grateful people are contagious. Don't you love to be around joyful and grateful people? I do. I love being around joyful and grateful people. I love uh, F. Selvelez. Him and his wife are um, Bridge Kids uh, directors, and they, they work with our elementary age kids. And the train is coming by. Rain, train, come on. Listen. Um, I love F. Cell. Well, every time I go to him, I say, F. Cell, how you doing, man? It's our response. Living the dream. Living the dream. I love that, man. I, I mean, what do you, how, how do you respond to that? <laughs> Good. Me too. <laughs> but, man, he's just a grateful person. And, um, you know, I think of Jonathan Brink and Scott Bauer and George Madrid and uh, Joey Bailey and Joey Lancaster. And, and man, the, I love those guys. And I'm so grateful that they're in my life. I'm grateful you're in my life, bro. And, and, and they're, they're godly men. They're godly husbands and godly fathers. And, and I need those guys in my life. And, and you become who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with negative people that are always complaining all the time, guess what you're going to become? Surround yourself with people that get it, that are grateful, that are joyful. And, and I know sometimes, you know, if you live with people that, uh, you know, that aren't that way, I know that can be hard, but, but you know what? You can still surround yourself with good people, and, and you can be the change in your family. Last page, number nine. Remind your family what God has done, especially when times get tough. If Israel saw the Red Sea part and they forgot what God has done, what do you think about us? How easy it is for us to forget about God's goodness and faithfulness and what he's done. Tell your God stories. Tell your God stories. Tell your kids, tell your grandkids when it was fourth and 20 with 10 seconds to go and how God came through. Amen to that? Tell your story. Tell, tell, tell people, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your, co- tell your co-workers what God has done. Tell your story because you have an awesome story to tell. How we live and what we tell our children shapes their futures. And they will remember what was important to us, which can give them the hope of salvation. And hopefully they will embrace that personally one day. So just a review, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teachable moments can happen every day. Give praise to the provider. What kind of legacy do you want to leave with your family? Because it matters. It matters. Maybe the family you grew up with didn't live for God, but you can. Maybe your family is not obeying God right now, but you can. 
you can. Tonight's a new night. Be the change. There's some things in your family that, that you, maybe you have never even shared with people before. You know what? You don't have to pass that down to your family. You don't have to pass anger and jealousy and envy and idolatry down to your family. You can be the change. Be the change. Be the change. God wants to empower you to be the change. God wants you to quit running and finally come home tonight. Come home. That's what God's asking you. I know, man, this message was strong, buddy. Um, we're not playing around, man. The bridge is not playing. We are not a show. People are dying and going to hell every single day. And the truth needs to be told. I love what Andy Stanley said. And I'm just going to quote him, and I'm going to add my two cents to this as well. But he said, create a family that when no one has to be together, they want to be together. Create a family when no one has to be, get, be together, they want to be together. So what, the, what does that mean? Uh, your kids live under your roof. <laughs> and whether they want to or not, uh, th- I mean, that's where their home is. <sighs> but how awesome would it be when, if you were to have kids... And when they move out, they'd love to come to visit. How awesome would it be if you provide a godly home that when you have grandkids, they love to go over to Grammy and Grampy's house, Grammy and Pa's house, because that house is filled with love and reverence for the Lord. You want that? Man, I do. I want it. It's 8.19. We're done. But this is what I want to do just for a minute. We're going to play some music. You guys can start playing that music. Um, we're talking about family. And we're talking that f- about that, how family matters. And family matters to God. And family should matter to us. And... We don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. As your pastor, I don't pray enough. I don't pray enough with my spouse. I don't pray enough with my kids. Um, And maybe it's been a while since you prayed uh, with your spouse. So I just want to take one minute. And if you are sitting next to a loved one, I want you to just hold their hands. I know some of you are mad with each other. Get over it. We're in church, baby. We forgive around here. And I want you to just take the hand of your loved one. Men, you are called to lead the family. And I just ask that um, you would just take one minute and pray and thank God for what he has done in your life 
Let him know what you are grateful for. What are you grateful for as a family, what God has done? If you are not here with a loved one, I just want you to, to this is between you and God, and I want you to just share how grateful you are. And I want you to pray out loud. And one of the reasons why this is awkward for many of you is because you're not doing it enough. And the more you do it, the more natural it will become. So let's just take one minute and let's just pray together. God, we come to you tonight. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your love. God, you have been so, 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 so good to us. And I'm, and I'm sorry when we have complained. I'm sorry that, that we, God, you're our best friend, but we also need to hold you in reverence. And there needs to be a healthy fear, Lord, and forgive us for when we don't do that. For, forgive us for when we don't have remorse over our sin. And God, there's teachable moments that are happening every day, and we don't want to miss those. Whether we're single, whether we're, uh, whether we're married, whether we're, we're a parent, God, help us to have opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities to share what you're teaching us. I want to give, we want to give praise to you. God, you are the provider. We give you credit for it all. I lift up marriages to you right now. I lift up marriages that are going well. I lift up marriages that are hurting. Lord, there may be some spouses that this is the first time they've held hands in weeks and months. Maybe some of them didn't even hold hands right now. Meet them, God. Meet them where they're at. Restore. There is nothing more important than a godly marriage and a godly family, and that's what we desire at the bridge. That's what we want, but we need you. We can't do it on our own. We need you, God. Be the center. Be our everything. And God, if there's anyone here tonight that does not know you as Lord and Savior, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. And if that is you, all you need to say is, God, I'm tired of running. I'm coming home tonight. July 24th, 2014 is the day that I'm coming home. And I'm going to stop running from you. God, I believe that there, I know there's sin in my life. You died for my sin. You rose from the dead. And I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender my life. Or I rededicate my life. With all eyes closed, on the count of three, if you're coming home tonight, coming home to the Father that has given you life, that's given you everything that you have, and has not forsaken you, has not left you in your sin. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Who's coming home tonight? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God, we love you. The bridge is made up of broken people in need of a Savior. And we need you every single day. Restore individuals, restore marriages, restore families. Because family matters. In Jesus' name, amen.